all, all the things we've sang and done so far lead up to this moment of preparing us to be unleashed. And uh, I just want to share with you a story as we start out. Years ago, I know I'm old when I can start a story out by saying years ago. Uh, years ago, I was early 20s, my mother and I and my stepfather bought some property in Lake County, Florida. We bought 47 acres, and uh, it was great. It was a great property. Um, we had horses and cows and all that good stuff that goes with a, a piece of property like that in Lake County, Florida. But one of my prized things at that time was a horse that I inherited from some friends from a, an actual quarter horse farm. He was registered, and he was what they called a Red River Dunn quarter horse. And his name was Sonny, and I would ride this horse all the time. Uh, before work, after work, on the weekends. If I wasn't working or doing so, I was riding Sonny, and, and we were just all over the place. And the unique thing about Sonny is that when I got him, he was three and a half years old, and he had never been broke. And what that means for you city slickers is he has never been ridden. He had never been more than just led around with a halter. The, they would do his, his hooves, but he, he had never had anyone on his back. And I, I received Sonny uh, when, I, when he was three and a half years old. And I spent 30 days working with Sonny, uh, just spending time with him and, and talking to him and washing him and brushing him. He was essentially a wild quarter horse. He just hadn't had a lot done with him. And on day 31, I rode him for the first time. And I know you're thinking I got bucked off, but I didn't, okay? We, we had a great ride. He did everything that I asked him to do. He would, he would start to trot a little more. He would start to run. I just, everything I asked him to do, whoa, stop. He would back up. It was like we had been together all the time. And, and I only rode him for about 30 minutes. And when I had finished, we, we went back to the barn. I, I took off the saddle and the blanket and I brushed him down. And I took off the bridle. I put his halter back on him. And, and I walked him back to turn him out into the, the paddock area, which was just a few acres that we had fenced in. And, and as I walked him back to the pasture and turned him loose, he spent the next five minutes in what became his after-ride tradition. It didn't matter how long or how short the ride was. Every time I would bring Sonny back to the pasture and turn him loose, he would just go nuts. I mean, he would kick. He would run. He would jump. He would buck. He would crow hop. He was just all over the place for about five minutes. He did all these things, and it always ended with he would roll around on the dirt and just kind of like a big dog. It was the craziest thing, and it, and it didn't matter if I had him out for just a few minutes and just rode him around. Any time that I got off of him and I turned him back in the pasture— this is what he would do. And, and I, for me, there was nothing more impressive than turning Sonny loose after a ride. And it was almost as if he was letting me know and letting me see his, his unleashed potential. That, that, you know, he was fast. Oh, he was so fast. And quarter horses are known for speed and, and, and all kinds of things. But he was so fast. And, and when he was unleashed, he was just as wild as the first day that I walked up to him. And he just looked at me and took off running. And I, I was just like, Wow. You know, he was he was still wild, but he would let me ride him and we would do things together and I would take him anywhere. He would ride through ponds and through creeks and nothing scared this horse. But every time that I unhooked him from that leash, every time that I unleashed him back into the pasture, he would just unfury himself, I guess, to to let me know what could happen. I don't know. We've just gone through a series that was called Close Encounters. 
And the whole purpose of that series was to lay the groundwork, so to speak, for this series. Our goal this year is to, to do whatever it takes to spend the year with Jesus, both in this building and out of it during the week. And, and the Close Encounter series showed us that even during times when we think we're alone, Jesus is closer than we think. That, that he is ready, not just to have a close encounter with us, but to come alongside us and offer us strength and support and forgiveness and love and mercy and things that we are consistently needing throughout our lives. Uh, you see, the Close Encounter series was kind of like a Jesus 101 study, if you will. We, we started with, with his birth and, and how the wise men had a close encounter. And, and we went through his life and, and going um, mostly through the book of John and looking at how Jesus would continually step in and how, how through some sort of a close encounter, he changed the people around him. Uh, you see, the Unleashed series that we're starting today is like the ultimate close encounter. And, and I think it's only fair to warn you as we go through the Unleashed series and as we go through all the ways that we are unleashed as moms and dads, as Christians, as the church, most of you, now hopefully all of you, whether you're listening to this online or you're hearing and seeing it live every Sunday, throughout this series, I hope that you will have moments of being extremely uncomfortable. That's been my prayer as I've written The Unleashed, as I begin writing these series, is that, that you all, and myself included, that we will be extremely uncomfortable. And, and when those times happen, and when that happens to you, I say amen. Because what that is, first off, don't fight it. When, when you begin to get that uneasiness, don't fight it, because that is God's word being revealed to you. And brothers and sisters, it is an awesome day in the Lord when we allow his word to be living and breathing and sharper than any double-edged sword. When, when we allow the word of God, when we allow it, let it cut through our lives and separate us from the world, that is just the beginning of us being unleashed. And that's what unleashed is all about. And, and, and I'm going to throw some things at you over the next few weeks, several weeks actually. And, and I hope that, that, that some of it makes you uncomfortable. And I hope that when you go home, you really dwell on it and you think about it and you apply it. And, and when we act on the word of God, not just read it and think, oh, that's a nice story we had today in church. No, when we act on it, when we apply it, that's when we become unleashed. And that's what I want to see happen at Huntsville Christian Church. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that, that you have given us your spirit. And, and through that, You've given us the power. You've given us everything we need to be unleashed on this world and to be a light in this world for you. I pray, Lord, that, that we will open up our hearts to your word. I pray that your word will, will make us uncomfortable and that we can act on it. We won't just see it as a story, but we'll see it as a lifestyle. Lord, give us strength. Give us courage. Uh, uh, give us the things we need so that we can walk out of here and be unleashed on this community for your glory. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. I do want to let you know, uh, if you have an iPad or a, a Kindle or something like that, and you're having a hard time getting on the network, that's because it broke. And so go ahead and just get a Bible in front of you. They're the blue books there, if you haven't seen those in a while. 
Uh, we're mostly going to be in, in Acts, the first chapter today. So if you're trying to figure out why your Kindle or your phone won't work, it, that we had a light power outage, and so the network's not up. We'll fix it this week. Um, but go ahead and turn in Acts chapter 1. As we get started, I want to remind you, you know, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all end with the same message. And that message is simply, Jesus is alive. All of the Gospels end with that. Jesus is alive. He has resurrected. He is no longer dead. And, he, and, and all four books tell us that he is resurrected from the dead. But Luke adds another chapter to this story. And, and I like to call that chapter the book of Acts. And at, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, Luke tells us about how Jesus came and he spent 40 days with his disciples after his resurrection. You see, the disciples have been hiding. Jesus, Jesus had died and they were in hiding. And upon his resurrection, they were afraid. They were afraid that they may end up and meet the same death as Jesus had or even worse. And they just weren't sure what to do when Jesus died. And now Christ is alive and the disciples are with him in the book of Acts. And, and their fears are beginning to melt away, if you will. I want to look at Luke, or excuse me, at Acts chapter 1, and look at what Luke writes. He says in, in verse 1 of Acts 1, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father. Excuse me, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when we meet, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set for by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse nine. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Okay, so Jesus tells the disciples in the first chapter of Acts, they've been scared. They've been hiding he spent 40 days with him, and he's about to go into heaven. And this is what he says. He says, hey, don't go home. As a matter of fact, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay. Stay here. Don't go back to fishing. Don't, don't go. Stay. And wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Because he is going to give you power for a task that I have for you. You see, this is such a major part of Jesus' plan that back in John chapter 16, he was trying to tell his disciples what was to come. And he says to his disciples, this is the reason that I will, I will return to the Father after my resurrection, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. 
And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gives this cause and effect truth, if you will. He says to his disciples, one, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. You see, this is God's great plan. And what I want you to grasp from today, the key, the key to Acts 1.8, the key to this verse is the same key to the entire book of Acts. And it's the key to the church then. And it's the key to the church now. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God. You see, as, as part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is God. And when the Holy Spirit is given to a person who trusts Christ with their life and is baptized, they actually have the presence of God within them. That is an amazing thing to me when I think about who I am, that God would want to dwell in me, that he would want to dwell in you, because uh, some of you are not as good as me. Okay, just, uh, that, that just blows my mind. When, when I'm writing this, when I'm, when I'm looking into the word of God, and I think, oh, there's a part of him that is in me all the time. As a part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God is given to us. And we have the presence of God within us. In John chapter 16, Jesus spoke with his disciples again before his crucifixion about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit will do a couple of things. It will convict the world of sin and guilt. Oh, we don't like that. It also said the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And he will help you speak when you need it. I got to tell you, I've experienced those things. I've, I've been in places where the Holy Spirit has, has guided me. I've also been in places where the Holy Spirit was trying to guide me and I shut him out. I don't think I'm the only person that has done that. But the neatest thing that's happened to me is been on mission trips. And one, when I was in Haiti and I began preaching and I, I never do this, I'm, I'm usually stuck to my notes and I went off my notes, and, and even afterwards, the interpreter was like, the, the guy that was translating for me, he says, none of that was in our notes. I said, I know. <laughs> I wasn't planning on that. <laughs> that wasn't even in my mind when I began speaking. But 15 minutes of a, of a sermon to a group of teenagers and to the, the elders in their churches, and afterwards, I had them come up and specifically say, I was at this place in life, and you said these specific things, and I needed to hear it. That, folks, was not me. That had nothing to do with Fat Rock's greatness, okay? That was that moment allowing God dwelling in me to speak out what needed to be said. And so I can promise you that when we allow it, the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. It will convict us with guilt, and it will guide us into all truth. But most of all, and this is the one thing I think Christians struggle with the most, the Holy Spirit will help you speak when you need it. For some reason, we're afraid to tell our story. We're afraid to speak. We're afraid to go to somebody and say, let me introduce you to my friend Jesus. We have him dwelling inside of us. We do not have to fear that, brothers and sisters. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, wait for the Holy Spirit. That was his instruction. He will empower you, and then you will be my witnesses to the entire world. Now, you have to understand something. Again, these are things that kind of blow me away. The apostles were already unique witnesses. 
these men, they were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life, to his death, to his miracles, uh, his teachings. Most of all, they were witnesses to his resurrection. They were witnesses even as eventually to his ascension. But Jesus still said to them, you've seen all these great things, but wait. Be still. Wait. He, he seems to place this priority upon them waiting for the power of God before ministry is unleashed into the world for salvation. And, and listen, this is not a new biblical idea. This waiting that Jesus is telling his apostles. If you look just in the book of Psalms alone, the term wait is used 11 times for this idea of seeking God. Because that's what Jesus was telling his apostles. You wait. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send a part of myself to dwell in you. You wait. And so this idea of seeking God, this idea of the power of God coming upon a person is not a new concept when we look through the scriptures. And so Jesus' point to the disciples and to us is very, very clear. There is no power in a witness for the work of salvation that Christ did on the cross without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I are called to be witnesses as well. Through the apostles' testimony from Scripture, we are called to bear witness to the resurrection of Christ, to what He did in history, and to what He is doing in our lives and in our world today. We are called to be witnesses of Christ. You know, Peter said, it, said in 1 Peter chapter 1, Even though you've never seen Jesus, you love Him. And though you don't see Him now, you trust Him. And in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he goes on to say that we as the body of Christ, we are chosen people. We are a royal nation. We're a people that belongs to God. And he says, here's why. So that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Not just me because I'm the minister. You. You. You can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into light. You see, we are unleashed to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. So my question is, are you ready to come out of the darkness of this world, church? You see, because we exist to be like a torch that will go into the darkness and shine his light for lost souls. That's why we're here. And we're not supposed to burn it from a distance just here in this building where people who don't know Jesus have to come and, and seek it out and find the light. No, we are supposed to bring the light of the gospel into those places called work and school and neighborhood and community and grocery store. That's what we are to do. That's what we are unleashed to do. You see, ultimately, it doesn't matter if a church has the most highest paid staff. It doesn't matter if we have elaborate programs or the largest buildings and structures. Those things don't matter. But what matters ultimately is that we have the active presence of the Holy Spirit empowering us and our ministry to take the gospel into the world. And I've said from the beginning, I don't care to be the minister of the biggest church in Huntsville. I want to be the minister of the healthiest church in Huntsville. And that starts when we let the Holy Spirit do its job. When we let him come into our lives and lead and guide and convict. So how do we do that? We seek and we wait. We take our example 
from Scripture, from the apostles. They wait and the Holy Spirit comes upon them in Acts chapter 2. And the apostles, they preach with power. Some of them eventually, they're arrested and they are beaten. And, and they even, during that time, they have a sense of boldness. Even in the midst of their suffering, because they have the Holy Spirit in their lives. And he's not just in their lives hanging out. He is in their lives unleashed. And it's because of that they're able to to be beaten and go away rejoicing and continuing to proclaim the gospel. You see, we find out in the book of Acts, God has made it clear. The gospel is for all people in all languages. You see, he empowers the church. He empowers us so that the gospel is then taken to the Gentiles, to the nations, to, to everywhere. We are not just invited to, to host the Holy Spirit. But we are called, we are sent out to bring the nations to the church. We are sent out to bring the nations to introduction, to a face-to-face meeting of who Jesus Christ is. Uh, we find out in the book of Acts, when the entire church is being persecuted, when the entire church is being tortured because of their belief in Christ and because of their witnessing to the Jesus' resurrection, what does God do? He scatters them. They, they go everywhere throughout the known world. And you know what happens? The church grows. I wonder sometimes, had the persecution not happened, would they all have just hung out there, having have the, have the Holy Spirit in them? Would they have just hung out and preached and, and then had competitions over who could build the largest synagogue or something? You know, uh, the persecution came. And with the persecution, what looked to the world like the Christians were scattering and they were going to hide essentially is the one thing that helped to grow God's church. God unleashes his Holy Spirit, and it is an unstoppable force, ladies and gentlemen. So what do we do as the church now? What are we called to? We're called to the same things the apostles were called to. They spent years with Jesus. They had better information and eyewitness testimony of Jesus They knew more about him than anybody in the world. And yet they were told to wait. They were told, just just hold on. To wait for the Holy Spirit. So we, as the body of Christ, must return to this discipline of waiting on God. And it's hard to do. Of, Of this discipline of coming together, of praying, of waiting, and then bearing witness to what Christ has done in our lives And what he is doing in our world. But it starts. Sometimes we have to wait. Let me ask you something. When was the last time. You went before the Lord. And begged him. To give you wisdom and knowledge. On how to raise your kids. And then you wait. For God to answer. And you wait for him to speak. Before reaching for the book. Because as we know, there are hundreds of books that are written about how to properly raise your kids in today's world and and how to do all these different things. And before doing that, when was the last time, mom and dad, that you sat down and you prayed, Lord, show us what it is. And and maybe there is that one book and you'll have some clarity when you reach for it. And you're like, oh, this is the one that's going to help us. We pray. We should ask God, what book should I read? What resource Should I go to give me wisdom and insight on this issue or on this season of raising my kids on this season of speaking God into my kids lives? 
When was the last time you did that, parents? Young people, thought you were going to get off easy, didn't you? We're graduating soon. We know everything. When was the last time, young people, that you asked God for the strength to be the change in your group of friends, to be the light with boldness, not with condemnation and with judgment, but with boldness, to be the light in your group of friends at school? When was the last time you asked him for strength and wisdom to make the right decision on a date or at a party or what you should or shouldn't post on Facebook or Twitter? Grandparents, I love grandparents. When was the last time that you prayed for wisdom on how to share your foundational faith with your grandkids or with that younger couple, maybe in church or in your neighborhood, that you could encourage with your story of how God helped sustain your marriage during a hard time and avoid divorce or, or that time that you overcame some sort of marital stumbling When was the last time you prayed for God to give you an opportunity to share that with a young couple? I want to take a minute because my next question is for the elders. Uh, But I want to brag on them first just a bit. Our elders are not perfect men. I want you to know that. They make mistakes. Their wives will tell you they make mistakes. (laughs) But I want you to know one of the things they do... And one of the things they have taught me that that I appreciate more than anything as as a new senior minister is to pray continually. And and not just randomly pray, but pray continually for vision and clarity in leading our church. And, And I'm not just talking about opening and closing our meetings with a prayer. I'm talking about where I'll be in conversation with them and they're like, are you praying for the church? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Are you praying for where God wants us to go? Yeah, I am. One of my favorite times with our elders was just over a year ago, past April. We went off and we did just that. What I've just asked you to do, put yourselves before God and ask him to show you. And we went away for a few days for the purpose of searching through Scripture and praying through Scripture and seeing what God has revealed to us in his word. And we spent this time allowing God to unleash his word on us and his direction for us as a church. And I want to share with you just kind of a, a, just a, a real quick snapshot of what God has revealed to us as, as elders, the elders and myself, because you're going to hear more details about this as we continue in this series. But here's what God's word is unleashing us to do and to be here at Huntsville Christian Church. And all of these things come from God's word and come from a time of prayer where we didn't move on until we had these things written down and knew that this is what we were being called to do. It starts off simply, love God, love others. Go everywhere, make disciples. In making disciples, immerse disciples in baptism. Teach disciples. Don't, we're not just going to baptize people and, and leave them as young, in young faith. Uh, we're committed. We know that God wants us to teach disciples. With biblical teaching, using things like fellowship, communion, prayer, we're also going to protect one another. We're going to practice benevolence. We're going to obey God's word above anything else. We're going to strive for unity, and we're going to hold each other accountable based on individual responsibility, which means that that we're going to come together, and we're going to hold one another accountable in things like putting yourself before God and allowing his Holy Spirit that's dwelling in us 
to unleash us. Those are the key things that we'll be focusing on as a church. And as I talk about the individual responsibility part, I need to ask you this. Individual Christian, no matter how old or how young you are, when was the last time you prayed for God to open doors of opportunity with your neighbors across the street or someone at school so that you could share Christ with them? And not just do it one time. Dear Lord, please help me go see my neighbor and be strong. Pray about it, mean it, and wait for God to do just that. And be ready when he does to spring forward because he's going to give you that opportunity. He is going to unleash you on that neighbor or on that person at school or on that boss at work. And he's going to help you speak. We already covered that. Wait for God to do so. Expect him to do so. Be ready and willing to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ when God opens that perfect window of opportunity. Now I want you to know when you do this, God unleashes something powerful in your neighborhood. Over the past few years, I've built a relationship with my neighbor across the street. Now, now it was easy uh, as we got to know each other because he already knows and loves Jesus Christ. And, and so it was kind of a natural thing. We had a, a common ground there. But you know what else? I've been there for almost four years now in our neighborhood. And he showed up at my house yesterday. He rings the doorbell. Ding, 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 ding. We answer the door. I step outside to talk to him, and he says, you know, I haven't had a chance to check on you since you went to Florida. I don't know if this is a good time or not, but I I just wanted you to know, I wanted you and your family to know that I am standing with you during this season of your life. While you were gone, I was praying for you. I was praying for your family. He says, I prayed over your house for peace in this season of your life as you worked through the passing of your mother. See, that's what happens when, when you take one step across the street. We've built that relationship. Had I never met him, had I never talked with him, I wouldn't even know that we have a common foundation in Jesus Christ. But just as God is unleashing me on my neighborhood, he's unleashing Don on our neighborhood. And, and Don and I, a couple years ago, matter of fact, on April 27th, when the tornado went through, we were like, you know what? It's a sad thing that we don't know our neighbors well enough to call them by name. And we started this little campaign, he and I, that anytime we see a neighbor, we're going to find out their name and then we're going to introduce the other one to them <laughs> so, that, so that we could tar- start praying and taking our neighborhood by storm, so to speak. When you do this for God, he unleashes something powerful in your neighborhood. And it's not a perfect neighborhood, but things are happening and, and our neighbors are caring for each other. And he just wanted me to know that he was standing with us during that season in our life. So here's the thing. The unleashed challenge that starts this whole thing off. What if we took our schedules, our to-do lists, our finances, and we just laid them before the Lord, asking him to change or correct or bless whatever it is that we're putting out before him. And in doing so, wait on the Lord to speak. Because when we do that, what you've done is you've put all yourself out there. From, from your bills, to, to your schedule, to your finances, to your family activities. You put yourself out there and you offer up your entire life to God. And the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit would move through your entire life. 
will allow us to bear witness with our lives to what Jesus is doing in our world. And no matter what his response is to those things, we act on it. Because when you lay your finances out before the Lord and you honestly say to him, help me unleash this in a way that's going to benefit you, you'll notice that some of your spending habits will change. When you put your schedule out there before the Lord and you say, you know what, Lord, this is why I never have lunch with Dave Young. And Lord, give us your schedule. Uh, We can never have lunch. We end up on the side of the road talking to somebody that's broke down, fixing a car, talking about Jesus. At two o'clock, we're going, I'm starving. (laughs) When you put your schedule out there, God will put you in those places. He will unleash you on those people. I tell you, when we witness with our lives to what Jesus is doing in our world, we become unleashed and amazing things happen for his glory. And there is no power in a witness to Christ's salvation, to Christ's salvation work without the active presence of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes in power in our lives, he often does things that we could never have planned for. We could never have scheduled and often things we could never under, have understand until we're looking back using the spiritual gift of hindsight. And then we go, now I get it. Hindsight's not a real spiritual gift, okay? <laughs> uh, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> but he moves with purpose. And when we allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by self, and I said allow, you see, God, God gives us the Holy Spirit and we have a choice to allow it to be unleashed in our lives or we have a choice we can smolder it sometimes in our silence and, and denying to act on knowing the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I choose to be unleashed. And, and I want to tell you something. What happened yesterday doesn't matter because yesterday ended last night. And, and I want you to look forward with the opportunity to be unleashed by Jesus Christ Stand with God. We're going to sing our decision song here in just a moment. Go ahead and stand with us. And I want you to think about this as we sing this song of decision. When we leave here today, know that you are leaving this place with two things. Knowledge and power. And when you leave here today, you're leaving here unleashed to do the work of Jesus Christ. To proclaim his glory and his resurrection to the people you see. Allow the Holy Spirit to be unleashed in you. Get into the word this week. Put yourself and your family and your finances and your schedule and your school and your job and all these things, put them before God and beg him, show me what the most good is and he will unleash you and it will be amazing. I promise. Let's sing.